Okay. <laughs> and I can All right, edit anything, we are good. so don't worry about it. We're totally fine. Um, you're going to sound great. Well, hopefully. So. <laughs> don't give you too much more beyond that. <laughs> um, without further ado, welcome, Maria, to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Kayla. <laughs> Yay. Um, so we're finally doing this. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, Maria is actually my sister-in-law. And she is a run coach. She's a certified personal trainer. She teaches run classes, has private running clients. She really is the guru of running in my life. And I look to her when I have questions. So I just want to know, Maria, how did you get started in this industry? And how did you even get started running? Sure. So I guess I'll answer both questions separate. Um, this industry... Um, thinking about this today, I've honestly been kind of on the outside of the fitness industry my whole life. So my parents have owned a health club ever since I was a senior in high school. I worked there at the front desk and um, I moved out to New York after college. I ended up working front desk at an Equinox there while I <laughs> pursued acting and some writing and things out in New York. And it seemed like everywhere I would go or whatever job I worked, even outside of the fitness related jobs, I was always the one talking about health and fitness, whether it was running or just healthy eating, whatever else it was. I was always like the health nut where I was. And people were like, oh, like, why aren't you a personal trainer? As I want to get to your second question about running specifically, like you're a huge running nerd. Why are you not a run coach? And it was always just like, well, no, these are these are my interests. This wouldn't be my career. You know, it's not what I went to college for. It's not what I got this later degree or certification in. So like, no, I just am interested in fitness, but fast forward, let's see, I'll do, I'll kind of merge the questions here, I guess. Um, <laughs> while living in New York, I had uh, gotten into running just as a form of exercise. You know, there's an bunch of amazing places to run there from the East River to the Hudson River. Central Park was kind of my first like, oh, I live in New York now. I have to go run around Central Park. And I think I probably should have realized that day that I was going to get into running as competitively as I did because I'm in Central Park, like not trained for anything like eyes on this girl in front of me. I'm going to race that girl around the park. And um. I think I won. She might have like ducked out at some point. Clearly she wasn't racing me back. But anyway, all I'll say I was in New York. Um, running was just my form of exercise. And about three years into what was an eight year bout living there, um, I had a friend who was training for a marathon. And I had done a half marathon with my sister and mom, just kind of socially, not really looking to be anything competitive with it. But this friend was like, oh, I'm training for a marathon. I'm going to go on a 15-mile run. And I was like, oh, I, I'll do that with you. Well, like, I'll go run 15 miles. And <laughs> which I'm, I'm a lunatic, which is <laughs> I'm sure no, there, we'll, there are I'm many sure we'll get into this. Like you. There are many people just yeah, like I know. You. You're I one of never, them. <laughs> no, I like could never just randomly run 15 miles. Like, even if you paid me, I think I, when I ran the half marathon with you in Chicago, I think the yeah. most I ran before that was eight miles. And I was like, I'm just going to okay. go for it the day of. So, All right. Anyway. But I'm going to call this out here. Yeah. I'm just going to go for it the day of. And Kayla ran this half marathon at a sub eight minute mile pace, which is something that I trained for multiple years at before I was able to get under eight minute miles. So uh, you, you are one of those well, crazy people. Kayla. I think I'm <laughs> crazy in the sense my anxiety fueled me. I was like, this is too many people. I'm never doing this again. Give me the hell out of here. I was like, this is right. not fun to me. Um, <laughs> I just so, it. Suffice to say, I only did one half marathon, but um, I should have trained like you. So you were running for three years and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, I'll go on this 15 mile run with someone that you knew and they were training right. for a marathon. They were training for a marathon. And after I did that run with them and I was saying like, trust me, it was brutal. I had done 13 miles before and wasn't in shape to do it. It was brutal. I was hurting. And, but after that I was like, okay, you know what? Like training for a marathon is something I will probably do. And I think that seat, we could probably get into that, but that seed was probably planted in my heart even before that 15 mile run at some point. I think I always knew 
a marathon was something I was going to do. It just as life went on and God kind of chiseled the pieces away, the marathon doors started to open. So let's see. So after that run, I was always training for a marathon. The whole remainder of my time in New York, I trained for the New York City Marathon. It ended up being canceled with Hurricane Sandy that year. Um, transitioned that right into the Nashville Rock and Roll Marathon. Um, it ended up having to be a whole other training cycle. I couldn't just like shift over and run it, but that ended up being my first marathon. I uh, ran it one minute short of qualifying for Boston. And that's so cool. That's where I got super hooked, right? Where I was like, okay, you know, I trained hard. I kind of started to realize the more I put into training, the faster I got, like maybe there is something of a talent here. At least there's something like I enjoy doing it. I'm going to keep working at it. And so then it became a goal to qualify for Boston. Um, took me two more marathons. So I ran New York the following year, did not qualify. Finally ran Detroit the year after qualified. And from there, it's just, it's just been a constant, my own running journey with marathons has been a, how can I, like, how can I continue to get better and faster? And I, um, let me try to say this. I think I, um, lost my train of thought. <laughs> okay. We can cut, we can cut it. Okay. Um, dun, 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 dun. So we addressed the, so you got hooked, you got, and you were like, okay, I got qualified for all these races. Right. I qualified for these races. Um, in between there. So I know I've, I kind of like jumped over to New York and then I was in Detroit. I was still living in New York when I ran the Detroit marathon and qualified for Boston. I was, um, transitioning between, um, career pursuits at the time. I originally moved out to New York. I think I mentioned this before doing acting. Um, at the time I was transitioning more into, creative writing aspect. And I was also working a full-time job in finance, which, um, (laughs) anyone that would look at my resume background would be like, uh, WTF, what the heck did you do in finance? And I was administrative, (laughs) (laughs) nothing to do with actual finance. And it did. It really, those jobs. You do. Yeah. And it, I mean, honestly, it gave me the stability I needed to really figure out was I going to stay in New York? You know, was, was I really kind of done going at this acting thing? Was I going to transition, come back to Michigan? Who knows what? So I, I stayed there for two years. And during that time I got even more hooked into running. Like we've, we've established that now I was, I was and am very hooked on running, but so I'm working this, um, administrative job. I was at the reception desk. So I would talk to people all day, every day. And usually about running and everyone there would be like, Oh, like, why aren't you a personal trainer? Why are you not a run coach? And in my head, I was like, um, no, like I, I just run. I'm, well, I like to talk about it. I like to do it. I'm not that good. You know, other people are faster than me. Other people know more about this than me. And I'm, I'm just, I just run for fitness, whatever. And they'd be like, well, I feel like you'd be a really good run coach. And the same firm I worked at, I ended up starting like a little run group there with the um HR department. We trained for different races and I would coach people there and they'd be like, oh like you should be a run coach. I was like, oh no. Like why would I do that? My degree's not in that. Whatever. Society tells you like you're not society that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Oh yeah. (laughs) A lot of people in society did. (laughs) And um so where are we going here? So I, I feel like that's where kind of the, oh, I could be a coach seed started to become planted. I went actually with one of my friends who I met at this firm to, there's a great studio in New York. Anyone that lives there, Mile High Run Club. Have you You have told me about this before? multiple times. I haven't okay. been to New York since, gosh, 20, it must've been 2016 when I was living in DC. So it was like a quick uh-huh. bus ride. Um, but if I go back and I plan to go to Brooklyn to visit, um, actually both of our cousins, Hannah is oh, yeah. living there. Yeah. So she's, yeah, she's lives in Brooklyn and stuff. And, um, 
I'm super excited. Hopefully we can both visit her one day and go to this. <laughs> oh, that would, we have to do a new Together. trip. Yeah. So Mile High Run Club was like, um, they're all different running coaches that work there. And it's, it's basically like the way people originally described it, it was like soul cycle for running. Um, and, and now, I mean, now we have Peloton, right? It's, it's very much like what the Peloton apps were for running back then though. Um, and my one friend was like, oh, Maria, like I can see you teaching this class. And I was like, again, like, no, like, why would I, why would I ever teach a class? Like I just run whatever. Okay. So fast forward again, we do a lot of that in my life because I'm, 35 years old and there's been a lot of different chapters. So there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of like hit pause, fast forward. Here we are now. Sure, sure. <laughs> but, um, I did end up moving back to Michigan. Um, and initially again, same societal voices in my head. Like you need to use your degree. You need to be working X job because, you know, I, like I said, I got my master's in creative writing. So I was like, okay, what's the natural transition I need to work in advertising. And that's where I started. I went into advertising. It was not for me. Um, not necessarily, um, go back. Anyway, so ended up in advertising <laughs> and just kind of had this nagging sense that like, this isn't what I meant to do. Like my, I felt called to move back to Michigan, did not feel called to work in advertising, despite the fact that I was like, oh, I'm here to somehow like bring whatever creativity, whatever. I meant to be back in Michigan doing who knows what. At this point, I was like back in with my parents. Everything was what's next. So Right, right. Very uncertain very, times. Very, very uncertain times. And like at, I don't know, I guess at the end of it too, it was like I'm my desire to move back was so strong. But once I did that, it was like, okay, now where's this supposed to take me? And it was quite unclear. And advertising was definitely not the answer. So super, super short bout there. And, um, I think I don't remember if I mentioned this at the beginning or not, but like I've teetered on the outside of fitness, not just because of people being like, oh, you should be a fitness coach or like having a passion for exercise, but my parents, own or co-own a health club in Lake Orion, which is where we met. It's where I met your brother. Like, I'm sure we'll talk about that. But anyway, there was always this kind of like, all right, they don't really have a marketing person here. They don't really have a social media presence. Like my parents would be like, Maria, like you should just come work at the health club. And I was like, oh, well, I can't, I can't do that. Like I need to get this job and climb this ladder. I couldn't just go quote unquote work for my parents. And I, I don't know where that I can't do that came from, but I think in a sense it was like, well, that would be cheating <laughs> or I, yeah. I, I'm yeah, not sure. I'm not sure. But there, for whatever reason, there were like voices in my head that was like, well, that's, that's a cop out. Like you can't go work for your parents. That's not a job you earned. That's a job someone gave you. Like, but you could be fired by your parents. I and mean, I, I'm assuming, right? So it's like if I you very much could maybe be. offer yes. you an opportunity, but certainly if you're not performing up to snuff, like they could cut you just as easily because it's a business, you know? So absolutely, I think that that's something you should definitely keep in mind is like, if you weren't doing a good job, you wouldn't keep your job. <laughs> like it's, it's a business at the end of the day. A hundred percent. And that was, you know, something I realized too, going in there and actually meeting with them. It was Mm -hmm. Anyway, <laughs> so long story short, ended up uh, stepping into my parents' company that they co-owned, Great Lakes Athletic Club. Um, at the time, they didn't have any social media following, so my job initially was to just kind of build that. Um, wasn't a personal trainer, wasn't a running coach. I was, of course, training for a marathon, um, as I always seem to be, um, and really, really enjoyed the fact that, oh, I work at a gym now. Like, I'm surrounded by people who 
talk fitness with me all the time, who want to know about running through me because they see me running. They seem to think I'm trained the right way, whatever. So going onward from there, <laughs> I, um, I guess I started to recognize a void at Great Lakes Athletic Club, which is, we will say, an even smaller community within the Oakland County area running community, which was for a running group. You know, we had this group of early morning runners. Everyone seemed to always be training for something, but it was a bunch of a bunch of us getting on the treadmill, plugging in our headphones, not talk. Maybe would talk to someone you see regularly, but really not. We're just kind of like get in and get out. And I was like all right, like I want to connect with these people. And I started to have enough conversations with people that I was like, I could coach this person, you know, like I, I'm watching this person train. I might have suggestions I could make, whether it was something I thought about form or something I could like change in the schedule I saw or the intensity they were doing. This was before I was a coach. This was just me kind of having what I felt like was insight to successful training cycles. So that led to me thinking, okay, you know, we don't have a run coach at this club and I'm going to seek out my run coach certification. And in my head, I was kind of like, you know, if nothing more, it'll make me a better runner to understand run coaching. So it was about a year in to working just the marketing side. I went and got my running certification through the Roadrunners Club of America in my certification was actually in DC, which is so funny. I, connecting the dots to your family is very <laughs> yeah. There's there's like so funny. many winding roads that got that took you to this point. Like you had yes. so many twists and turns, and I feel like the theme that I'm hearing is that you consistently pushed aside the voice that was so clearly like inside of you telling you, "I want to pursue a career in fitness." And I love fitness and I love running and these are things that make me happy, but oh no, no, like that kind of a career is not for me. I'm educated. I also have a master's degree. Like you went to U of M, you went to, you got a master's from Fordham. These are incredible accomplishments, but for you, you probably thought I'm not putting these to use in a traditional sense if I entered the fitness industry. So can you talk a little bit about untangling that web of lies, which, because it is a lie, you can do whatever you want. There's some very successful people that are CEOs of companies and they never graduated college or let Absolutely. alone high school. So um, just, I would love to hear more about how you got to this point mentally and like almost emotionally accepting the fact that this is what I love to do. I am making a career and others can make it a career too. Yes. Yeah. So let's see. So I, uh, I guess I'll go right to where I was getting the run coach certification and it wasn't thinking, Oh, I'm going to even make a career of this or even necessarily that I'm going to be a run coach. Like I thought I would just in the sense I work at an athletic club. I think that maybe I could get a client or two, but it was never like, Oh, I'm going to really build this thing. And I think that, um, the whole, the run coaching, coaching in general, you know, we have so many people on Instagram that are like crazy, crazy successful run coaches. And then even, even in our little, little community, we're with Hanson's running store right there. There's crazy elite runners that live around the corner from me. And I will say this, this is kind of a different, <laughs> I guess a different answer to the question. Yes. But like, I, um, it's okay. Take a deep breath. Are you going to speak about um, confidence? Like, are you going to speak about, yes. like you didn't, okay. I thought you yes. were going there. Go okay. <laughs> and we'll pick it up right here. Okay. So I think that there was also this kind of imposter syndrome in the back of my head that was like, okay, yeah, you qualified for Boston, but you're not running professionally on the Hanson's team or yeah, now you are getting this run coach certification, but you're not a doctor. Like you can't listen to someone talk about their anatomy and break down exactly why they run or don't run the way they are. You know what I mean? Like maybe you're not me. I'm not the perfect running coach because I am not 
as good as I would be if I had this doctorate or if I were a professional runner, if I had, you know, ran more cross country in high school, whatever it is. And finally, I was actually, this was what one of the coaches who taught the Roadrunners Club of America certification program said, he was like, you know, you're here because you love running and you are looking to fill a void in the running community as it exists. And you're not looking to go into competition with other runners. You're not looking to go, you know, I'm not here looking to go into competition with Hanson's. If anything, having Hanson's here helps me. I adore Hanson's. I run with like anyone I can from there to learn more about running shoes, which is something like I'm, I'm not a running shoe consultant. It's just, it's, we're all kind of in this community together to help each other. And now having worked as a coach, it's the same way where I work side by side with a triathlon coach and yeah, he coaches runners, but we're, again, we're not in competition with each other. We both fill different voids for different runners within the same community. So um, I guess, so getting back to your original question, which was like untangling the mess of, I can, I can do this, even though it's maybe not super connected to my degree or it's not quote unquote, I don't know, using whatever intellectual background or performance background, anything that I've invested the time and money into having. It was just a matter of (laughs) this makes me happy, you know, period, which sounds, which sounds so cheesy, but it's so true. When I was at that Roadrunners conference, it was at a period of time where, you know, other things were stressful. I was, um, you know, in a, this was obviously before your brother, but I was in a relationship at the time that wasn't necessarily the most fulfilling relationship. And it was just like, nothing fulfills me more right now than the fact that I'm here this weekend talking about nothing about that, nothing but running, learning about nothing but running. Like I just, you could put me in this hotel conference for two years straight and I would just like drink this up and be content. So I think that was kind of the untangling, unraveling really point for me, right? If the whole journey up until that was trying to kind of tease things out, that was the like, whoa. Yeah. Breaking point, really. Breaking point. Yeah. Yeah. And you've been, you've been helping people ever since. So I'd love to learn a little bit more about what does a run coach do? Because I think when people hear that, they sometimes admittedly, like I've had the response, at least on social media. um, If I say, Hey, like reach out to my sister-in-law. She's fantastic. She knows what she's doing. A lot of people say, Oh, I'm following this online program, you know, and I'm sure you get that so many times. But I have seen um, just in your testimonials and the people that have go to your cadence classes at the gym, um, they get a lot out of your coaching. And I think it's not just the personalization that you put into it, but also your personality and a little bit of that performer background um, that really livens up, you know, a 5 a.m. class on a Monday or something <laughs> like that. So talk to us a little bit about um, the difference between following just a generic online program for running a marathon or a 5K or whatever, and then working with a run coach. Sure. So, and I am not going to bash those programs. I I qualified for Boston with, uh, I think I was following a Hal Higdon advanced program. I've, I got my personal half marathon PR following Hanson's program. Like I, I think that those programs exist for a reason. And, you know, I, I have a client I'm coaching right now who up until just recently, she's an incredibly advanced marathoner. She was PRing, getting her personal record over and over again with Hanson's. And they exist for a reason. There's a lot of scientific, um, there's a lot of. <laughs> but why you? But why you? But why me? Exactly. So no, I'm gonna, what I'm going to so what I'm going to say is you reach, you reach a point or we all reach a point with our running careers and that can be you know, oh, I've run super fast and I want to keep getting faster. It can be, I had time off of running for an injury. And for whatever reason, this program, this program wasn't written for me. This program was written for runners, but we're, 
we're not all the same, even if runners tend to have a lot in common. And there are a lot of things, you know, okay, continuing to increase your mileage, continuing to do some intensity specific workouts, but it's not the same as have, do you mind if I answer this whole entire question again? Because I got totally off track. No, no, no. no. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So why, so why you, why a run coach? I know you mentioned, obviously, you know, an online program is great. It's a great starting point, but you kind of hit a plateau. So for those who are, I would, I don't want to say elite athletes, but in their own rights, they have reached their um, limits and they're looking to get pushed even further. Is that the person, are you the person that they would reach out to? Absolutely. So I think where, where you hit the point with these, and I hate to say cookie cutter, but in a way, cookie cutter, one size fits all running plans is where you get to a point of this plan was not written specifically for me. And there's something about me, you know, physically, emotionally, whatever it is that makes me a different runner than the cookie cutter runner that this plan was working, was written for. And that might be your work schedule. You know, you might work some crazy hours. So always having a 10 mile tempo run followed by a 16 mile run the next day is not going to work for you because you work X evening shift. And that's, it's not that these other plans can't be modified, but they were written specifically with the understanding that you were going to do this back to back 10 miler, 16 miler, like they're, those are meant to go together. And the more you kind of find yourself having to modify these cookie cutter plans, I think that's where I would say, you know, would I benefit from having a coach? Because even we do a lot of virtual coaching. The majority of my clients, aside from like you mentioned, the classes I teach are virtual right now. I will go on, I'll write them a plan. I'm not hand holding through it. In a sense, they almost have just a sheet plan in front of them. But where that changes is I got called into work last minute. I got sick this week. You know, the weather sucked today or this workout sucked for me today. And I can work with them to modify that. And I do. And, you know, we're talking circumstances like that outside of our control, work, weather, illness, anything like that. Like those are reasons to hire a coach. But beyond that, it's just also, and I think this is where I kind of come in or where I found my niche with people is where are you at emotionally in your life? And, you know, are you struggling with something else. And I am by no means, no means whatsoever, a psychologist. I have my undergrad degree in psychology. But you're using psychology, your psychology. But I use my psychology that. degree. I do. And, and that's where, that's where, so I, we haven't talked that much about the cadence coaching, but that's where I kind of started to find my niche was, <laughs> and this actually started because, so coaching the cadence classes at GLAC. I am not allowed to have music because I coach them in the middle of the cardio room and people get disturbed by what music, not not that I would play disturbing music, but I think I would play great music, but other people, like other people have their own preferences. Everyone has their own earbuds in, like they don't want to have like tons of music playing when they're running on a treadmill. They just want to listen. Exactly. And I get that. So you rely heavily on you then. I rely heavily on me. And it, it took like some trial and error, you know, the first couple of classes to realize, you know, would you rather have music in? And I kind of just dictate the intervals and you listen to the music you want to listen to. But it turned out that people wanted to hear what I was coaching. And what I think has helped me, and this is just me personally as a runner, but understanding the inner monologue that happens in our head as runners, you know, when we get to that point of this is so uncomfortable or that point of I'm going to throw up or this is hurting, I don't want to keep doing this. So what can be the voice in your head that talks that voice telling you to stop down? And so that's what I try to be in my cadence classes to runners is I try to kind of encourage an effective inner monologue that's going to get people to the other side of intervals and hope that they can kind of take some of that with them 
into races and into other training runs. And again, Certainly. going back to coaching, that's, that's what a, that's what a coach does. And that's what a coach does that I think a cookie cutter plan cannot do is really get to know their runner and whether it's prescribing workouts or actually talking to their inner monologue, like that's what we do as coaches. We coach. Yeah, <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. So um, <laughs> for those who are starting out in their running journey, you work with a lot of people, I, from what I understand, who are experienced runners. They're trying to level up. These are pros. What about someone who is intimidated by running? They're just trying to run a 5K. And they found a cookie cutter plan online, but for them, they need that motivation from one-on-one interaction with another human being. Would that be another type of client that you would take? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I always say that you are a runner if you have even the slightest desire to run, even if you're not going to run for another year. If you look at other people running or you read an article on running and you're like, I could do that one day, or I I might want to do a 5k one day, like get the voice out of your head saying you're not a runner, you're a runner. That's, that's who should reach out to a coach to be totally honest, because we, we want to hear about why you're into running and we're going to encourage you to, you know, what, whatever plan, you know, I, I actually, I love coaching the couch to 5k group like that's the cookie cutter plan you're going to usually come out with and what i find with a lot of that is is a lot of times people have way more in them than they think and i'm not saying oh like you need to just go out sprinting because i think you're capable of doing it but i think um having a coach to check in with who's going to say you know oh i think you're actually capable of a little more running a little more often is a big advantage to reaching out to a coach there. So, um, sorry, let me, let me rewind again. No, no, no. <laughs> I, thought, no I actually think um, that was, yeah. that was a perfect response, but I would love okay. if I can just interject. Yes. I think what people really want to know is if they're starting out and running, like in their mm-hmm. running journey, and maybe they don't have the resources to hire a coach and maybe they're just following this online plan what is maybe a top tip or two you would give to them as they're trying to reach this goal of theirs to, to just start running in general? So I think, um, let's see. So we're saying not, not hiring a coach because yes. honestly, yeah, no, no, step no, number no one. I think you answered the first. So you answered the, the running right. coach questions perfectly, okay, but I'm so talking to the people yes. who are like, like I have a lot of people who listen who don't have the money to like hire right. anyone. That's why they're listening to a, to a podcast. So right, right. to them, what would you tell them basically in this? So, platform? yeah. So what I would say is a, <laughs> again, you have the desire to start running, start running. And the biggest thing I see with people who are excited to start running is they go from walking to sprinting, walking to sprinting. And those are intervals. Those are great. But I think, you know, take it easy as cliche as that advice sounds is actually very, very important. So (laughs) one of the uh, physical therapy studios I'm close with in the area, I was in there the other day and talking to them, they're like, we have never seen more injured runners than we have seen now coming out of the pandemic because right? What are people doing? Like we weren't at gyms. People are like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to just go out and run. And with very little understanding of how much is too much too soon, how fast is too fast. And, you know, you're doing it every day. Maybe you should be doing it every other day. And again, these are, um, these are all things where it's like, listen to your body. I guess that's the other cliche advice I could give, but I'm going to try to, going to try to veer away from the cliche advice and take it easy and listen to your body and say, my biggest advice for someone who is new to running and is not going to hire a coach is to be your own coach in a sense, which is to say, okay, what would what would somebody say to me? And I will be, I'll be that voice for you right now. (laughs) And I'll say, okay, 
just because you have the, you know, running feels good, right? You start off the start, you have this big endorphin rush and you're like, all right, yeah, running's great. I'm going to do it every day. I went three miles yesterday. I'm going to do six miles today and then I'm going to do 10 and I'm just going to keep building, building, building. I think you take a step back, realize that the progress is going to happen um, months at a time, not weeks at a time. And you're you're going to see results in your fitness probably a month later, even six weeks to two months later, more than you're going to see progress the next week. You're potentially going to feel better running sooner than that because you're going to get used to, oh, this is what my heart rate feels like when it's racing fast. This is, I'm comfortable with this cadence of my breathing, but the actual fitness gains are going to be made months at a time, not one run at a time. So to look at your running journey over a series of months rather than just individual runs. And I think that's also a great way to avoid what we see a ton of new runners experiencing, which is burnout very, very quickly of I got really excited about this. I went out sprinting and I'm not saying sprinting isn't necessarily running as fast as you can. I'm, I'm using it more metaphorically here, but I went in, I went all in and either now I'm injured or now I hate running or what, whatever it is. So I think the whole look at it, look at your running journey months at a time rather than a run or two at a time. So yeah, I love that holistic view of like kind of like keeping the big picture in mind. So today yes. and ne- even this week, yes, it makes a difference if you run, you know, and hit your mileage or if you're training for something. But at the end of the day, if you're feeling like your knees are hurting or your hips are hurting, it's okay to scale it back because in the long run, you're probably going to be safer. And it's it's okay to not run as fast, you know, especially at the start of it, because you can yes. seriously get injured very quickly if you go from no activity or walking to right. sprinting, you know? And I think exactly. it, it's definitely like an American culture thing. Like we're, we're all competing with ourselves. We're competing with others. Like you mentioned before, the imposter syndrome and there's the comparison trap on social media and stuff like that. Yes. So very good advice. Um, if you're also new to running or maybe you're a little more seasoned, I feel like this, this advice can really apply to anyone. What I've noticed is the big difference between really, you know, pro runners and those that are a little more amateur and just do it as a hobby is the pre and post run activities. So can you talk to me a little bit about what you do before a run and what you do after a run that keeps you healthy? Yes, I can. And I will also say (laughs) that, um, in my wise old age of 35 now, I am much better at actually doing these things. But before, before that point, even as a run coach, I was very much the person that was like, why would I want to, why would I want to spend 10 minutes foam rolling when that's an extra mile I could do running? Why would I want to warm up before that's an extra mile I could run, whatever it is. And (laughs) I... (laughs) I will, (laughs) yeah, I'll use this personal anecdote. I spent my first season teaching my cadence classes on crutches because I neglected the strength training that is important to supplement. Sorry. (laughs) Okay. It's okay. We can just take it from the top. Yep. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Do you want to get some water or anything? I promise we're almost done. We're almost done. I just want to make sure that I want to make sure that people can like, get really good tips from you. Cause like yes, I, I find yes. that when people give good tips, they are more apt to follow you to yes. like reach out. No, and I ask really for like a record. So like if I can guide you in a way of giving like real tangible tips, I think that'll yes. really help. Like not, and also like just people listening, they, they want information. That's why they're listening. They're no, going to you as an expert. So you are an expert. I'm asking you cause you're an expert. So believe it, you are I believe you are, and I would love to learn more about <laughs> okay. your your cadence journey and being on crutches. So you can start okay. from there. <laughs> okay. So I will say I was, um, yeah, the first couple months teaching my, oh God, not a couple months, like six months teaching my cadence classes. I was the not walking example of <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. I started training very intensely for the Boston Marathon that year and was not doing the strength training that 
you know, I knew as a run coach I needed to be doing that I would tell any other athlete that they needed to be doing, but I was busy working and I was feeling great hitting these awesome paces and just like, woohoo, all I need is running. I must be the anomaly anomaly who doesn't need strength training, anything else, fast forward, a stress fracture in my femoral neck. So where the um, heck is that? This is there. From moral neck is your femur, right? Where it goes oh, wow. into your hip bone. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it, it, that was always a great conversation. Like, oh, you're the run coach. What did you do to your knee? What did you, I was like, oh, I fractured my femur. Um, wow. <laughs> and it honestly, so I'm, I'm getting back to your question. It, that injury came, it's a stress fracture, right? For a reason. It came from the stress I was putting on my body without giving my body the chance to recover without fueling my body the way it needed to be fueled to recover and without doing the necessary strength training to make sure that you know my my back body was active my glutes and my hamstrings were activating before my quads and my hip flexors and my knees and everything else so i was running really fast paces on an incredibly exhausted, imbalanced body. And now, sorry, going forward, I guess so like, but that was my big, that was my big turning point there, both as a coach and as a runner. And it actually led to me becoming a personal trainer too, so that I can write not only running plans, but strength plans for runners. So that on your day off running or in addition to your day running, I can say, okay, here are these exercises I want you to do to make sure your glutes are engaged, to make sure that your hip flexors are open, that your core is strong. Again, all these things that are so easy to neglect just because we want to run and we love running and we just love running, but we really have to do these things that are in support of running and in the same way that I, I became a personal trainer, not because I am super eager to help people like achieve their personal record deadlifting. I want you to be able to deadlift so that you can engage your back body and run strong. And that that's what I would put into my own running journey. That's what I would have any runner put into theirs is you need the strength training. Um, we need to focus on <laughs> nutrition. I actually had a call just this week with a nutritionist that I work with because coaches need coach, coaches. I, coaches need coaches. Yep. And I understand, you know, I understand nutrition. I can point you in the right direction and tell you how important it is, but my scope of practice isn't to break down the macros and the calories you're eating regularly. So again, we will bring in the experts where you need them and or we're all, we're all just machines looking to help. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Feel as best again. Um, sorry. So yeah, the prep though. So the prep yes. you mentioned, like, so you mentioned foam rolling, you men- mentioned strength training. So though I'm assuming strength is obviously like you mentioned, you could certainly do it on the same day of a run. I'm, I'm assuming not a long run. I'm, I'm no expert, but mm-hmm. um, I know a lot of the time people do like every other, like I personally do spin one day, strength the next, spin one day. And of course, like spin is, is a full body class, but it's right. predominantly like lower body focus. So then I'm focusing more on like my back and my upper body and my core when I'm doing my strength training and things like that, because I'm getting a lot of like lower body work. Um, so I kind of switch just in my own personal like routine. Um, and I would advise when I used to be a, a fitness instructor in Chicago, I would advise, you know, those who took my class to, hey, stretch before, stretch after, and um, make sure to hydrate, get a really good meal of like protein and carbs, sprinkle of fat after. I know it's late, you know, I taught 7 p.m. So anyway, I say all of this to say like you, you have to remind people sometimes the class is great, but it's honestly like the pre-work and the post-work that actually makes it the most beneficial, like you can't Absolutely. get the most out of it unless you're doing things before and after. So before a class, what would you recommend or before a run, I should say, and then like after, sure. what would you recommend? Sure. So from the, um, like physical warm up sense before a class, before a run, I recommend a dynamic warm up that's focused more on, you know, mobility and engagement. I always tell people, you know, in terms of any sort of exercise, 
before a run. And, and this is, this is assuming you're training for something. So I'll, I'll go back to that in a second, but assuming you're, you're getting into a run, your goal, you have a goal workout ahead of you. You are focused on engaging what needs to be engaged. So maybe you do a little bit of core work. Maybe you do a little bit of, um, you know, like glute activation, but your goal is to engage, not exhaust. So you save those workouts where you're really looking to like work your glutes, work your core to any sort of point of soreness for either after a run or a different day. And again, I'll go, I'll go back to that. But before I would do, you know, maybe some dynamic planks, some dynamic hip flex, hip flexor stretches, um, kind of target those areas that, you know, you either tend to get lazy running or get tight. So target those with some dynamic stretches and activation exercises. And then after the run, that's where you do more of the static stretching. Um, maybe that's where you do. So maybe a little bit different than you would advise for just someone who's running for general fitness versus someone who's actually following a training plan for a specific race. So usually if I'm coaching a runner, going toward a specific race, I'm going to have them do their strength training actually on the same day as a harder workout, potentially even a longer run, not probably not like a 20 mile run, but maybe like a medium distance tempo run. And that's because for that runner at that point, the strength is all with the intention of, yes, you're wanting to get stronger, but you're wor more working just to make sure the right muscles are firing while you run. So we want you to remain, we want to work on your elasticity. We want to work on just that back body, that core, everything being strong, posture being good. Again, we're not looking to PR your deadlift. That's a different phase of training and it's probably outside of a marathon training cycle. Um, now going to a different runner who's maybe looking just to either gain fitness or maybe we're at the beginning of a marathon training plan, I might have you do some more hit style workouts or something that's going to go along with the mileage you're running to build your cardio too and help build your base. So, um, so yeah, so we'll go, we'll go before the workout, dynamic stretching, um, muscle activation after the workout, um, either a strength training workout, a full strength workout, or that's where you'll do your SMR, your foam rolling, your, um, static stretching. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so how, how do you mentally prepare for a run when you are just not in the mood? Because, um, I feel like a lot of people assume that those who work out a lot actually want to work out a lot. And I am always debunking that myth because I do not want to work out most days, especially lately. We both have young kids. We're tired. That's the last thing that I personally want to do, but I know that I'll feel better after. And especially if you're training for something, you know, it's going to make a difference in your overall goals. So for someone who's lacking motivation, what advice do you have for them before they lace up their sneaks? Yeah, I have said so many runs lately where I'm like, what time is it? It's four. I'm drinking a cup of coffee talking to you now, <laughs> but there's been so many runs where I'm like, I don't even think I woke up until the third mile of that run. Like I, I literally think I was asleep running it and I just kind of threw myself out the door into motion. And unfortunately that's how life goes nowadays is it's up out of bed into motion, but it's, I need that motion and whether we feel like we need it or not, we all need that motion. And whether it's running or whatever it is, it's like getting your blood flowing. You know, again, another another cheesy response, but like that is that is my wake up. And I think as um, as a runner, someone who's you know training for kind of higher intensity races, whether it's a marathon, half marathon, a lot of times I'll tell myself that running through that fatigue or whatever, maybe I'm uncomfortable and maybe I'll, I, I often find myself a little bit dehydrated, but I'm breastfeeding right now is a big part of that. Um, but it's running through these more uncomfortable situations is the mental training. And I think that we can take that whether we're marathoners or whether we're training for our first 5k because running gets uncomfortable, which is, I know that's like the biggest 
joke with people who are not runners is like, why are you paying these race entry fees basically to subject yourself to punishment? And yeah, it is. And it does, you do reach a point in certain races where you're like, oh my God, this is, this is torture, but we do it because we're bettering ourselves in the process. Like we're, we're really competing with ourselves as runners. And you can say, you're not competitive, whatever it is, but you're, you're, you are, you're competing to be the best version of yourself through whatever running goal you set. And those runs where it's tough to get out of bed, tough to get out on the road, or you do it and it just sucks. Like that's the mental training and that's, yeah, you're stronger for doing it. (laughs) I love that. So I end every interview with the same question and I feel like I kind of have a sense of who you are as a run coach. Um, but as a person, what does living a life well-lived mean to you? Yes. So I think that a life well-lived to me is a life that is led with your heart. And I'm saying this as an incredibly neurotic person (laughs) who has a tendency to go up into their head, to overthink things, to get, you know, overly worried about things, super anxious about things. And I just look back at my life and, you know, we talked about the untangling of things, these like, oh, wow, decisions, whether it was a career decision, a romantic decision, and all of those happened where I was able just to still the voices in my head and let my heart talk and i think no matter no matter how crazy you think you are those are like that that moment exists the the moment where your heart talks louder than the voices in your head and that's that to me is a life well lived is being able to just to grab those moments when they happen and follow them <laughs> that's so beautiful i love that well I always enjoy talking to you and getting to know you a little bit better. Um, Thank you for sharing so vulnerably um, with your story and your passions and your career and all that stuff. So I would love to know where people can find you so that they can connect with you, potentially hire you. I highly recommend you (laughs) to anyone who is looking to hire a run coach. (laughs) Well, first, I love talking to you too. Like I said, this has been yeah, it's so rare that we actually get to carve out time to Very just rare. talk. I know. And we're like related and we live near each other and we still don't get this time. So right. This no, we spent beautiful. like three hours together yesterday, kid chasing. And yeah. Yep. <laughs> but no, so you can find me on, I'm on Instagram, run underscore hoppy. Um, I don't post as regularly on there as I would like to as a new mom, but I'm trying to more often. And I'm, I'm very, I'm very open to hearing what people want to hear from me as a coach, whether it's through Instagram as a platform or my other medium is through my newsletter that I send out. I send a weekly warm-up newsletter um, Sunday nights, kind of with the expectation that you might open it either late Sunday or Monday morning. Um, and you can subscribe there at runwithmaria.com. So yes, very, very open to feedback on what people would like to hear on both of those platforms. Fantastic. And then, sorry. Oh, so good. Go on. (laughs) No, I will say, and then of course you can find me at Great Lakes Athletic Club where I teach my cadence classes and coach athletes regularly on, yeah, you can reach out to me on either of the other platforms I mentioned and would love to have you in as a guest there too, if you're in the area. Fantastic. Well, thank you again for your time today. And I am sure we will catch up soon. We're related. We talk all the time, (laughs) but um, on this podcast, I'll be sure to have you back again and hear about your journey as a postpartum mama running a race, because that is something I really want to learn more about. Absolutely. That will be a fun, fun conversation. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for having me.